hello. Okay, hello, this is Leo, Leo's Promotion. Today we have a special guest on, and we are going to talk about motherhood. So I would like to bring to the mic London. Hello, London, how are you? I'm good, how are you today? I'm good, thank you for coming on and uh, giving me this moment. Um, so today we're going to talk about motherhood. Um, I want to start out by saying to you, what does it take to be a mother and how do you feel coming into the life of motherhood um what does it take to be a mother <laughs> well initially we all know it takes uh it takes two baby <laughs> no but really um um i i i think there is a switch that happens sometime between conceiving and birth for everyone I think it can be different um as far as what that looks like what you feel like the emotions that you go the emo excuse me the emotions that you go through and um but as far as so if you say what does it what does it mean to be a mother like how do you become a mother I think that's really well, no, I know how, we all know how you become a mother. <laughs> well, <laughs> the majority of the people, we know how you conceive to become a mother. But not everybody just because they are mother. Some people adopt children because they always had that feeling of want to be a mother, you know, want to be mm-hmm. to uh, a human being, I will hope. Um, I mean, you hear people say, oh, my, my pet is, I'm, I'm, you know, my pet is my child, you right. know talk about a pet we talk about a human being and um or god forbid something happened to a relative or a friend and now you became an instant mother you know so it's many mm-hmm. different ways of becoming a mother but you know mother i would say motherhood is not as easy as people might think it is you know uh because when you're used to just having self and self only and then you have another little person in your life now your whole life changes it could change for the better, or in some cases, it changed for the worse. But in your case, I'd like to know your thoughts on becoming a mother. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it definitely changes your life. But that's why I said, for me, you know, it was at the birth of my first child when I really felt the shift in knowing that, I, wow, I have a another being that I love more than myself in a sense and felt good about it and just holding her and just caring for her just knowing what that meant and um to me that's where I guess it started and for me I guess you know I just always from that moment I always knew I just wanted to make sure I kept her safe I kept her protected and then when I had my second it was the same thing it was like things became a little bit um not I guess easier in a way, like as far as like certain motions and things like that, I could see I was fortunate enough. They weren't the same at birth in no way <laughs> from the from the moment she popped out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just to, it's just little things that they do that you can, t- you know, from like I've learned with the first one that I came when she does this. I don't know what this means, or and or it's easier for me to pick up the cues, even if it's not quite the same. I can still pick up, you know, 
what she's looking for from me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, for me, it was, uh, I guess it started, like I said, with the first act, when the moment she came out. And um, it's always been a good thing for me. I definitely count them both as my blessings, and I make sure that they know that because they are truly um, gifts from God. They are blessings. And I'm grateful for them. And I actually have a fortunate opportunity where I get to be at home with them daily and to help instill, you know, values in them that will hopefully live on and they can instill in their children one day. So. Now, I'm going to ask a question that might sound kind of crazy. But when you had your first child, was it you, you didn't want no one to touch your child? It was like a hands-off policy? I mean, you went by the books on every little thing when it came to your first child. And when you had your second child, did you notice a difference, you know, where it wasn't so much of a hands-off, where you didn't want people to touch your child? Or if your child pick up something off the floor and touch it, you didn't rush over to them and say, oh my gosh, you can't touch that because it's dirty. No, I'm glad you said that. It's funny because actually it's, I think it's all in perspective. I, with my first child, it was things that I was actually, yes, very cautious because she's my first. But what I learned with my second, it wasn't so much like let things go because I learned with my first. It was more so I learned the perspective of others with my second because of what they would say. For me, I actually didn't move too differently. I actually moved quite the same, but to others it looked different because she's a different child. Like I said, when they, from, from the minute they were born, the first one had to be induced, okay? Which means I had to have ketosis. She wasn't trying to come out. The second one couldn't wait to come out. So from the very beginning, they were two different children. And I, it took me about a good two weeks to really grasp that nature. Because at the beginning, I was like, even though they came out different, I wasn't really wrapping my head around like, this child is not going to do what the first child did. You know, she's not going to sleep on the same cue. She's not going to respond the same way, even though they look similar and they came from the same parents. <laughs> but I quickly caught on to that. And the quicker I caught on to that, it was easier for me to deal, you know, to, to deal with her, work with her through the way she did things. And for other people, it, would, it looked a lot like, oh, wow, she's so easy with this baby or she didn't do any of that with the first baby and this this but what they didn't see or what a lot of people still don't see is that I take the time to learn their personality from the womb like from how my first daughter used to kick at night and my second would kick during the middle of the day my first like I said had to be induced my second came shooting out like she couldn't wait to come out so my first I learned after having my second, my first one I always thought was the um, the uh, scheduled person. But what I learned is that she actually um, adapts very easily. My first is my second that's by a schedule and almost demands a almost demands a routine. So you know where others people, for instance, like even with eating, a lot of people be like they used to say, "Oh well, look, you didn't even want to feed the first one." Well they didn't see the couple the first couple times when I constantly tried to uh 
um, feed my first daughter and she would spit it out. She wouldn't even, sometimes she would tighten her lip so it wouldn't even get in. Whereas my second was a, <laughs> I would say a greedy baby. Like she literally had me hurting at times because I was breastfeeding and, um, and, and um, so it was like, you know, with that one, with the second one, it was funny because she ate everything. So it was easy for her, for me to change, put her into eating foods and things like that. So whereas what other people were saying, oh, well, look, she's eating the food. If you would have did that with the first one, but I did do it with the first one. The difference is, is not um, me, it's them. They are different children. And I recognize that and I fed into those things. So I, I was able to kind of help, you know, find what works for each child. If I would have been forceful on one, then that would be me changing trying to change a child you know as long as I made sure that they were they weren't hungry and you know they didn't starve or anything like that made sure they were fully fed then they were good so again so for me it wasn't so much what people say as oh they so she let her do she run outside let her do this or let her do that by herself I've never done anything different with them with respect to the care of them or even what I've learned quote unquote from the first that I'm now allowing with the second it was that I recognized their different personalities and I recognized that she is also the second child so there's some things that I don't need to do because she has another child to look up to which has been helpful you know with my first child she was the first so I had to sit on the floor every night and day and play and be the only one in her face with my second it's two of us it's her sibling and me you know so yeah right okay. well I only have I only have two more two more questions I want to ask you because I know you have the babies there so <laughs> I'm gonna try to hold you do you find that they are independent one is more needing or one or they both are very independent both very independent one is more they're both very independent one is I like the saying that one of the the um, church leaders had told me she was like one's a boss one is a leader <laughs> it's true to statement because the leader is the one that's going to lead you but beside you and show you come on we can do this together the boss is just going to tell you what to do <laughs> go over there you sit down and don't make me have to come back here again or well, we're going to have to handle this mm-hmm. that is them <laughs> you know <laughs> but they both take initiative they both want to get things done they're both very caring and they, they they very much I can leave them in the room and I know when I walk back in there if I tell them this is what it is I have no problem walking back in the room and saying that they're doing exactly what I asked or taking initiative to go a step further All right Okay, the last question I want to ask you is for new mothers, do you have any advice you can give a new mother or not just a mother, but a parent? Because people don't understand too, also your significant other, husband, boyfriend, or whoever you're with, they also be, you know, is, is affected by a birth of a child. You right. know, because like I said, um, before it might have just been you and that person, but now, it's, it's, a, it's a third person there or, or some people have twins or whatever so you have another child in that household so sometimes it requires friction be, between you and, and, and your, your significant other so what advice would you give to a to new parent communicate 
um, let one take the lead for a moment. See if it works, then go with it. If the other one has, you know, taken into into consideration each one's advice. Remember that y'all yeah, grew up in two separate households, so that means that you may not have the same parenting style. But that doesn't mean that you show that conflict in front of your children. If one is leading with something, go with it behind the closed doors when it's the two of you. Talk about it and move forward in a different direction if you need to. Um, Don't let the children play up against you. Know when you have a newborn child that both of you are new to this because it's, or, you know, whether it's a new child in the home or a newborn child, know that this is something new for the both of you. So give each other some grace you know extend grace to not only your spouse but to your children and um try not to overcorrect anything and understand that they are resilient and they expect you know things that you may consider to be a mistake can be actually just a learning curve for everyone but you know just um love on them you can never love on a child enough I always say don't um I, I don't like the whole saying that's a um society and I'm certain people saying when they say oh you're spoiling a child you cannot spoil a baby 100 percent a child has been carried in the mother's womb for nine months that means they've been snuggled and held onto for nine months and then they come out and you're only supposed to hold them for an hour you tell me how you would feel <laughs> If you're used to something cozy and safe and then it's just released from you and you don't know when to expect the next time you're going to have that feeling because as a baby, they don't know when it's coming again until you do it again. The more you do it, the more the safety is there. The less you do it, the less the safety is there. So that whole saying that, um, you know, you're spoiling a child, that's not, you cannot spoil a newborn. I'm sorry. You You cannot. And actually, that's almost that's actually quite the opposite. If the child is crying because you're putting them down, maybe because it's something what's happening when you're putting them down. It has nothing to do with you spoiling them. You cannot spoil a newborn. Well, so, some people some people feel that you can't spoil a child. Like you said, you cannot you, spoil like a newborn. But no, 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 no. You know, I'm not saying that you can. You cannot. But some people feel that if you hold your child 24 seven. And then as soon as you go put that child back, you know, put that child down, the child cry, but then you pick the child up, it's quiet again. And that because, like you said, that child is not used to being separated from you. So in other words, you have to wing yourself away from the child and the child has to be winged away from you. That's an old saying they say, the same way, like you said, you breastfeeding your child and now your child is one, two years old. So little by little, you have to, you know, get that child used to sucking on a bottle and not so much the breast because you have to wing them away from you. And so it's not that you're not giving them uh, less love, you just showing them another way of living because they're not used to living away from you, and that's that. And to me, that is a form of independency for a, a like I say, even though it's a newborn. You know, it's not, it's not just, oh. just having them and throwing them away. You just you know letting them know, okay, now you're in a bigger world. You're not cooped up in one little spot no more. Because you're right, they so used to be cuddled up close to you, but now you have to be able to wing them away from you and let them see they have a lot more space now. Well, I would say that, it, again, I guess then that would have to be to each its own. However, doctors will tell you, and to me, I stand behind it, that 
you should be holding on to that child. And I'm not saying that you you cannot put them down. Obviously, you have to be able to put them down. But you cannot spoil the child. You're not spoiling them by holding them. That's the that's the point that I'm making. You're not right. spoiling a child by holding them. And if they're crying, it is because they are feeling removed from something. So, and to, to say that that's an, and creating independence at a newborn, there's no level of, <laughs> that's a, that's the, even wolves do more than that with their own children when they first birth them. Cats, every animal, every species, as far as I, I mean, there's very few. There are some that don't, but that let them go from the minute they're out of, once they release them or have had them, conceived them, and birthed them, excuse me. So, right. you know. I would the point I'm making is that you can't spoil them by holding on to them because that's something you ask like what should new moms know that's one of them that's something that I think that um, has been society is pushing children further and further separate from their parents and I being a stay at home mom have the pleasure of seeing the benefits of being that just that being able to be there care for my children being there for them and recognizing some of the things that society has said is for them is actually not the best thing for them Mm. so you know the same thing with breastfeeding them you know they want to hurry up and put them on formula but we when you really do the research formula is not good for them and they are looking for women to (laughs) to give breast milk because they know all the nutrients in it so if you can, not all not all parent mothers can, but if you can, breastfeed them for a year. Breastfeed them for a year. You know, if you can, hold them, cuddle them. Don't don't allow someone else to get in your ear and tell you to put the baby down. You can hold your child. You held them for nine months. They need that time to adapt with everything else in the world. The last thing they need is to try to adapt with everything at one time. Okay, that's, but what about like, that? That's, that's what about that parent who have to go back to work after three months or so? Then, then how would they handle? Um, okay, for the first three months they held that child nonstop, but then they say, okay, my maternity leave is over. I have to return back to work. But now it's hard for you to go to work because every time you try to give that child to someone else, even to the the, the father, and the father said, I can't get the baby to stop crying. Why? Because the the father, the the, the well, child the father, that love. If the father you know, is in the house, then he, when that baby is crying, he should be picking the baby up too. Yeah, I'm but the father, has, the father has to work as well. So that's what I'm saying. But say, I'm saying you was home with that baby. For so your, what, for I, three I, what I, what I, what I would suggest, if you're the person that have to be back to work after three months, you need to find that nanny. You need to find. There's plenty of good daycares that understand this approach. It's a, it's a little. For some people, it's a little old school, but. When I actually didn't go back to work, but when I went to drop my child off at daycare, I mean, in um, church, it was grannies that was in there holding them babies. When I come in there, they still be holding on to them because they still understood the importance of it, even though I was only gone for an hour. So some people would, they would say, well, that's long enough. She could be down on the floor, pay her little to no attention, change her diaper because she was one and let her go. But no. All I'm saying, you find someone that can help, that can do those things if you have to be the person that go back to work. Have someone that's on the same, has the same ideology, same interest for your child. If that's not important to you and something else is, then you find that person when you go back to work 
to follow in those footsteps. But the last thing I would want is if I had to go back after three months to some to completely throw off whatever it is that I'm doing with my child. But does that mean that um, there's none out there that's doing that? No, I just have to do my research to find someone. Whether it's someone that can come to the home, whether it's someone I have to go out to, but there's plenty of it. Okay, that's true. Right, well, those are the questions I wanted to ask. Um, I would love to continue this segment uh, later on. Um, Maybe you could help educate women and fathers on how to become a better, uh, a better parent. I'm not saying they're not a good parent, but become a better parent uh, than what they are. I'm, I'm not saying that you're licensing this or anything like that, but I would feel that giving advice and when people hear other people talk about it, it kind of helped them too. Because uh, myself, I'm old school, you know, and I learned from older, you know, adults on how to raise my children. And sometimes, like, you know, the old saying, the old saying go, take a village to raise a child. And I believe in that, you know, you know, a lot of times you go, you turn your nose up and say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. That's what they did back in their days. But in our days, we don't have to do that. And, uh, and I'm just going to say this one thing. I remember I had took my children away and um, my daughter, she had one little bump and uh, she had one little bump on her. And I had called my mother, because we was away, and I called my mother, I said, Mom, you know, um, my daughter have a bump on her. My mother said, go to the store and buy some caramel lotion. And I said, caramel lotion? And I know caramel lotion is what it stuff like that, you know. I told my friend that I went to stay with, you know, I went to wait to see. I said, I'm not going to no store. The next morning, my daughter woke up, she had bumps all over her body, all over her body. And I call, and I, so my friend and I, we, we laughed, but we ran to the store, we bought the kind of my lotion and we put it on her. I called my mother back and said, mom, guess what? Her whole body is covered with bumps. She said, yes, she got the chicken pot. She said, but I said, but she didn't have no fever, no nothing. She said, no, she went through all the stages and this is the last stage of it. And she said, so this will keep her from not itching and scratching them and turning them to sores. But so, see, that what I said when you say it's an old folk remedy, you know, old folk know things that you don't know, even though we don't want to listen to them. But if I had listened to her, I don't know, maybe would have stopped it from spreading. I don't know. I really don't know what would have happened. But just over the phone, I just I described the bump to her because she told me to describe the bump to her. And once I described it, she knew exactly what it was without even looking at it. So my advice to, to, to parents is that take advice from others. You know, if, you're not, if, you, if you don't really feel good about the advice they're giving you, get a second opinion, a third opinion, until you feel comfortable with the advice that you are, are being given. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, taking advice from someone who's been there before. That's the whole that's what you're asking others to do with me so I don't think there's anything wrong with that what I'm I'm just saying is that just remember what you are trying to instill in your children and note recognize that some things that worked in the past don't always work today but I I'm all for definitely reaching out and asking for advice so I'm, I agree with you okay 
Well, I really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, of course, I'd like to give you the, the final words if there's anything else you want to share. Okay. Um, for me, you have, any, you have some feedback in, in, in your background again. Okay. Not sure what that one was. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I would just say for me, above all else, um, is to put God first. Um, one, a lot of things that I've come to learn is definitely through prayer and through reading the word and um, it was the same before and I was like it's so true I said there is no book that teaches you how to parent but there is one it's called the Bible so I would say you know open up the Bible read it with your children and remember that God extends grace to us so extend the same grace to them be patient be slow to anger and you'll get a long way with your children so Okay. That is all I have. All right, very well. Also, uh, I want to say thank you all for listening and thank you all for, for those that have been following us. And please become a listener, become a supporter. We need you for us to continue to grow. And if you ever want to be a guest on my podcast, just leave me a message um, on my voice messenger. And we'd love to have you come on. Again, guys, this is Lee of Leo's Promotion. And a special thank you to London for coming on, sharing with us about motherhood. Thank you. Okay, y'all have a wonderful day or night.